Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening to you. Welcome to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH. Pleasure to be with you and a pleasure to be with my co-host, Jason Gunn, Sanchez Wealth Management, a.k.a. The Prof, as in Professor we made it through another one, Jay. A lot of exclamation points after TGIF, but good exclamation points this time around, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, if we could just, you know, be up to two and a half percent every week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Life would be the good. We'd probably have to raise rates again. But no, it, yeah, it, yeah. it felt good. It yeah. Definitely did. Definitely yeah, did. indeed, indeed. See, a little bit better than last time I asked you how you felt. See, you, you see, get you through the end of the week, and you're in a, you know much yes. more better or much better mood. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, all it, all it takes I, is green on the screen. I, I tend to be in a better mood on Fridays. I can't quite figure out why. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to put up with my butt on uh, you know two days out of the week unless you know no, unless things are going no, bad over the weekend. <laughs> No, no, yeah. uh, I know. it is Friday. Uh, it is, you know, amen. You know, I enjoy. You know, I enjoy yeah. our our our, know our healthy banter. Indeed. Uh, but no, I, it's uh, the the neat part about this week, sort of jumping right in, is uh, it feels good to see uh, sort of you know the items that we preach come to fruition, and I think amen, you know, amen. Uh, yeah, when you have a portfolio that's diversified. Not everything works at the same time. And I've said this over and over and over again, and you and I have had lots of conversations about Indeed. it. You don't want everything going up at the same time because it goes down at the same time. And so you're seeing a week like this where if you kept large caps, internationals, small caps, bonds, like they don't all work together, you hold on to your small caps that have been lagging for a lot of the year and you get it, you know, two, three weeks where you'd see them absolutely scream and everything tends to work over time, but you need to make sure that you're not, you know, chasing you know, the, the hottest thing in town. Cause oftentimes you're leaving the thing behind that ends up being the big mover. And, you know, small caps have been on an absolute tear for the last couple of weeks. And again, happy to, to, you know, you look at the chart and you sort of worry, are they really going to, you know, uh, fail and go to zero? And they don't. And I think, you know, that that's the part that feels nice is that, you know, if you've held the diversified portfolio this week, the last couple of weeks, you've probably beat the market in most mm-hmm. cases. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's nice to see. Well, you know, let's go back to the Russell 2000. Um, it, it, let's tackle that because this is exactly what Jason and I are going to be talking about tonight. You know, it was an extremely su- successful week. I mean, the month has been successful. November has been very successful. Everybody's, you know, got smiles on their faces at this point. But our job always is when we have these these momentum on the upside, our job is always to say, okay, you know, let's let's chill out a little bit here. Let's not get too over optimistic. Let's say what are the, some of the things that can go wrong, right? We always have to be looking over our shoulders 
shoulder to figure out what could be the the issues to slow this thing down. So we're going to discuss, you know, some things uh, that, that potentially could be of worry going forward for the rest of the year. We're just going to focus on the rest of the year. We're not even going to really touch on 2024 except for some interest rate predictions. Um, but let's go back to the to the Russell 2000, Jay. You know, this was a this was a year, folks. If you you know listen to us uh, closely as we you know go over the averages, uh, usually you know towards the beginning of the show or after coming back from the first break, uh, we spent a lot of this year with the the Russell 2000 not flat but extremely negative and very much to Jason's yeah. point, very much lagging the rest of the the, the market. But Jason, here's something that's interesting. Looking at the, the year-to-date numbers, folks, listen to these numbers, okay? Now, I'm, I'm going to leave the Russell 2000 as the last number. For the year, the NASDAQ is up 41.5%. S&P, 22.9%. The Dow, 12.5% gain for the year. And the Russell 2000 has now surpassed the Dow by a small amount. Yep. It's up 12.7% year-to-date. So, to, to this man's point... Just because something is down, don't think that it's always going to be down. And, you know, Jason is, you know, I'll admit this, we, we, you know, this is one thing that I love about our relationship is he is more of a worry worth than I am. I'm usually more optimistic. He's more <laughs> pessimistic. We, we we meet in the middle, which is a great, great team. That's what you want. You don't want <laughs> two guys or two gals on, on the same well, side. Yeah. Right. Um, but um but to his credit, you know, we, we added the Russell 2000 uh, ETF, we can't say which one it is, to our portfolio little right before you saw this coming, right before mm-hmm. the, the, the Russell broke out. You did the same thing on the gold side of things. So, you know, kudos to you. Those were great calls. But once again, you, you, you have to look more, folks. And this is what we try to focus on on this show. If you're new to the show, kind of read between the lines of what we tell you. You know, we are very, very, very restricted on being able to give you specific information. We can't say, go buy this stock or go buy this ETF or go buy this fund. We Regulations prohibit us at this point from being able to do that. So we have to somewhat talk in generalities. That's why you need to meet with us one-on-one. But we have said over and over again, you know, this is, Jason is more of a value investor. He has the guts much more than I do. I'm more of a momentum trader. He is more of a value trader. He has the guts to step in and go, you know what, John, the Russell's down, you know, Two percent. I think it's time that we add some to it. I'm like, yeah, well, what are you talking about? Why? And, and he'll always have the rationale behind it, whether it's a technical issue or just his years as a, as a professional trader, looking at things and, 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 and seeing that. And that's what you have to do. That's the point, Jason, I want everybody to learn from is your ability to. I mean, it's easy to be like I am where, where you know, it's like jump on the train, right? It's it's running up. Let, let's jump on that train. You're you know, your train's off the tracks and you're going, hey, you know what? I see some value in this. And so that is a very, very unique and in, in very specialized investment strategy um, that you have that ability to do and others that, that have the guts to do that. And then you fold it into a diversified portfolio, which again, doesn't always work, right? We, we were, you know, moaning sure. for, for a lot of this year because we do, we, by law, we have to be diversified. We cannot load a client up and, you know, your favorite stock or your favorite ETF. We will end up in jail. We can't do that as advisors. Mm-hmm. Um, but a diversified portfolio was, as you and I discussed so many times, you know, taking the audience, you know, into private conversations, it was a painful time period for, 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 for sure. a while. You know, right. And, and now again, like you said, a diversified portfolio has now, you know, I, I mean, we've had a number of days this week where, you know, when you send me the final numbers at the, the conclusion of the day that we have outperformed the market, um, because of the diversified portfolio. So I think it's. Risk. 
Yeah, with less risk, right? Less beta and so on and so forth. And and I think it's just fascinating to see how this market has morphed into, you know, a quote, you know, the Magnificent Seven. We talked about that for three quarters of this year. And then it starts to morph a little bit. And that's when we, you know, rebuilt our portfolio and we went into a diversified ETF portfolio and and so on and so forth. And so, yeah, it's just, it's been an, an absolutely fascinating year. And I just, I hope and I pray and I keep my fingers crossed that, it, gosh, if we could just hold right here, you know, for the next two weeks, we will be smiling. But if we can be anywhere near this or, you know, hey, let's be a little bit greedy, yeah. a little bit more on the upside, man, this is going to go down to, to one incredible year. One incredible year. Yeah, I know. And it was funny, you know, when you were uh, unable to do the last two uh, sort of end-of-the-day recaps with Ross this morning, I mentioned mm-hmm. how the, you know, there's been a lot of hedge fund pain over the last couple yes, of days. And saw the I sort of finished today. it off with good, like, fine. <laughs> as long as there's pain and the market's going up, great. Yeah. But, you know, you've seen some very large, uh, again, I go back to the nerdery a little bit, of factor moves factors are you know clumping stocks into certain buckets uh, uh, momentum you mentioned momentum mm-hmm. right value that's, that's a mm-hmm. a quantitative factor uh, uh quality that's a factor in terms of cash flows for the company so on and so forth but you've seen some very large factor moves where it feels like there's been massive pain in capitulation where Mm -hmm. small caps, which have lagged this year, have really outperformed financials, uh, you know, biotech, things like that, that have been momentum negative laggers against the mega caps. And we had two days here that were truly the two worst days of the entire year for hedge funds. Exactly. I'm glad you brought it up. Yep. 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 And so there's been this pain and, you know, uh, stepping back a little bit, uh, small caps in general, small cap stocks, uh, market capitalization, again, is just share price times shares outstanding. And that is how you look at a, uh, you know, the ones that are the smaller ones are your small cap companies and large cap companies are your Apples and Googles and Microsofts. Well, typically younger companies, small caps, what do they have to do to fund their business? They have to borrow. borrow. They need to Right, they need to borrow from the bank. They need to go there and take out debt, et cetera, to fund their business. Well, guess what happens when interest rates go up? It costs you more to fund your business. Your revert, your return on invested capital has to be much higher than normal. We came out of a free money environment to uh, an environment where money started to become more expensive to attain, and that's what the Fed was trying to do by raising interest rates. Well. Things just changed quite a bit, at least as far as the market's view of the Fed's next moves. The market's now pricing in two to three cuts in 2024. So if you're looking at it's not more. <laughs> your mosaic, right, uh, uh, who are the companies out there? And this, as an investor, you want to look and see who are the companies that uh, have been dealing with a headwind that may have either less of a headwind or potentially a tailwind, and how do I buy those? Well, Small cap stocks, they need to borrow. Biotech, they need to borrow. Go look at biotech stocks for the last month. Absolutely parabolic because mm-hmm. any headwind, you need to make sure things don't always stay the same. Just like John touched on, momentum works until it doesn't. And momentum is one of the most powerful factors that quants follow. It does very, very well, right? Objects in motion tend to stay in motion, simple physics. But looking at the areas where the market may be, 
overly negative is also a strategy too. And so mm-hmm. that is sort of what we touched on earlier, small caps, biotech. There's other areas out there too that obviously we can talk to, but you always will get reversion and that's why you want diversification. You don't want to just put all your eggs in one basket. You need to own areas that aren't working because you get times like these when they do. And that's why, you know, you can uh, sort of set your sights and feel comfortable that, you know, if that's not the best place in town, it could be later. So don't always try to sell when things look bad. Yeah. Uh, hold on to things if you have confidence in them. Absolutely. Phenomenal explanation. Phenomenal. All right. We come back. We're going to talk about one thing. We were kind of <clears throat> kind of lackluster today, just like yesterday. And, and there are a number of reasons today we'll get into quadruple uh, witching and you know so on and so forth. We'll, we'll hit on that a bit. But really, another thing that kind of showed again uh, how susceptible this market can be, and this will be one thing we'll talk about as far as a, a worry going forward for the rest of the year, is we had some comments by some Fed members that eh, we'll just say the market didn't like it. We'll share with you what those comments were today when we come back. Let's turn it over to Jim Poston, he is in the Right Now Traffic Center. Hey, Jim. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show on Newstock 780 KOH with Jason Gana Sanchez Wealth Management. Happy Friday to all of you. We wish you a great, safe weekend. Guess a little weather's coming in on Sunday, so uh, enjoy the nice weather while we can. Definitely no storm clouds on Wall Street this week, nor today. We finished up 57 on the Dow. Nice quiet day, 37,305. NASDAQ a 52.5%, and the S&P 500 finishing the day unchanged a big goose egg but again and what's been a uh, incredible week uh here's the here's where the average is to jason's point about the small caps the russell 2000 is how we measure that uh 5.55 percent gain on the russell 2000 for the for the week the s&p rose 2.49 the dow 2.92 and the nasdaq a 2.85 percent increase now today we had some comments that that I'll say they, they moved the market a little bit this morning. The first comment came uh, relatively early this morning. CNBC held a, an interview with New York Fed president, who is an FOMC voter, um, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Williams. Uh, and basically what Mr. Williams did, and again, we warned you when things were so good after Wednesday's press conference and interest rate decision by the Fed, <clears throat> what the Fed will typically do is they don't want us to get too overly optimistic. So they will, this is just my opinion, um, they will have various Fed members through their you know, news interviews and speeches and so on and so forth. Just make some subtle hints to maybe contradict what Fed Chair Powell had to say on Wednesday. And I remember the takeaway from Fed Chair Powell's uh, uh, press conference was, as Jason said, you know, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four. I'd say the consensus is probably about three interest rate cuts next year. Yesterday, the Fed future, I'm sure you saw this, Jason, the Fed futures contract indicated six interest rate cuts next year uh, after the, 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 yeah, I know, uh, the first one coming in March, where, you know, it used to be the first one coming in May. But today, a little counteraction, which again, kind of, you know, spooked the market a little bit. So, uh, Fed President, uh, New York Fed President Williams said in this interview that he said, you know, look, at I think it's a little bit premature to think about the timing of rate cuts. But uh, Mr. Powell indicated that the committee discussed at this week's meeting when the timing would be appropriate to dial back policy restraint. So in other words, what he's saying is don't get out over your skis too much, right? Don't don't think that us Fed members, we're going to sit back and just, you know, give you uh, rate cuts without a little bit of pain before that. So that again, we saw the market pull back a bit on that one. And then <clears throat> later in the day, <clears throat> excuse me, Atlanta Fed President Bostic, who next year will be an FOMC voter, he told Reuters that, meanwhile, he expects two rate cuts in 2024, starting in the second half of the year. So the market didn't like that because, again, the market is hoping for, like I said, around March or so. So, you know, again, we're going to be getting a lot of this. Be, be prepared. 
Um, you know, again, the Fed's not going to allow us to all be 100% confident that they're done, you know, doing what they do. Uh, or again, they may stay higher for longer as the saying goes, but you know, it's typical, right, Jason? I mean, you're always going to get these counteractions coming from the various Fed members. It's, it's just kind of the way the Fed strategizes things. Yeah. I mean, it was funny. Again, Ross pointed out this morning, sort of stopped me during an update and was like, Hey, uh, doesn't it seem like these guys come out here and they just like, <laughs> oh, send them out and try to say different things? I said, yeah. uh, Jerome Powell, as much as said that they do it on purpose, like he's said in the past, like they've asked him okay. those questions. I did, I didn't do that. these go go out there to you know and say? And he said, Yeah. We so like my theory for years has purpose. been correct. <laughs> right. It's not a yeah. conspiracy theory. Those are facts. Yeah. Like they, <laughs> you know, ultimately these guys are, you know, guys and gals are, are, are stating their opinions. They all have yes. different opinions. Yes. That's what the dot plot's for. Right. Yes. And, you know, some of them, like a Bostic in general, I like him the best. Yeah. He seems to be the one that is the most level-headed uh, mm-hmm. and doesn't get caught into as much of the fray. Um, and he's sort of a two to three rate cut guy next year. I think he's yeah. two right now. Two. That's um, and he is a voter in 2024. <clears throat> uh, so, you know, I think that's probably the right spot. Remember, the, the Fed, they're 2%. Real rates are sort of 2% in terms of a headwind. Their normal is zero to half a percent of a headwind. Right. So and when I say headwind, real rates being if CPI is at three percent or three point one percent and Fed funds is at five percent to you know, five and a quarter to five and a half, that's two percent of headwind. Right. Mm-hmm. So if your inflation is three percent and it costs you five percent to borrow, that's a very restrictive level. The Fed is now and I you know, as I was driving away from the office today, it was pretty interesting. I was listening to one of the news channels and they said the question that I would have asked uh Chair Powell is uh have the lag effects set in? Like is there actually not right because they haven't raised in a while. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, are we fully lagged, right? Six to nine mm-hmm. months is normally what we've talked about before, which is about sort of what they've done. Uh, you know, uh now are they at a point where Remember, the lag effect works on both sides. Them making changes also will have a lag effect when they start to lower rates, right. right? So yeah, they will need to, you know, uh, uh, see the market, uh, you know, in terms of their binoculars to say, in the next six to nine months, we think a downturn starts. We need to get out in front of this to narrow that spread between inflation and Fed funds. If inflation comes down faster, remember it's more restrictive the longer they wait to drop rates. So if they keep them at five and a quarter and CPI goes to two and a half and two, for whatever reason, over the next, you know, six to nine months, now you're 3% restrictive, which is really Mm -hmm. keeping your thumb on the scale. So they may, that's why people think that they cut early, not necessarily that they're afraid, but that they think that inflation is going to continue to potentially come down and that they'll have to lower rates quickly because of that sort of, you know, uh, headwind that they put on the market. So, yeah, a lot of things going on, but it is neat to see all the different various comments oh, and yeah, see how definitely. the market reacts. <clears throat> well, I think uh, along those same lines, one thing that Fed Chair Powell said at the at the news conference on Wednesday, he was asked by one of the reporters in the audience, will you start cutting before you get to 2%? He said, you know, to your point, absolutely we will. Because if we wait till inflation gets to their mandate of 2%, it's too late, right? Yeah. At that point, we can't They'll stop overshoot. the trade. They'll way overshoot. So 
they need to be to your point they need to be predictive of when they think it's going to start moving you know lower and lower on the inflationary rate and they start doing that now uh, or next year i should say uh preemptively against that so yeah don't don't make your bottom line jason and i are trying to bring across is don't make your investment decisions based upon when that first rate cut comes or you know god forbid if you wait for you know fed to, or for inflation to hit two percent because you'll be way out of the game at that point right uh yeah. and, and the final point to mention is the market remember folks we emphasize this a lot the market is a forward-looking indicator the market is looking out three six nine months uh, it, as far as what the next move of the fed is going to be and again the market's predicting fed rate cuts of you know starting in march and you know pick your number three to six is was the range this week based upon what happened in the bond market but the 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 market the bond market is always going to be uh, a forward-looking indicator so that's why when you see you know markets bottom and they start moving up and you go wait a minute we you know we've got bad news well that's because the market doesn't look at today the market looks at again depending upon the issue three yeah. six nine months What's down the road. so may yeah right, right. the market's implying may that six right. months from now look at the market how they're acting right yeah, so right. you're spot that's on right. Yeah. And, you know, it was a it was an incredible week. The thing, last thing we'll wrap up real quick is we we're unchanged on the 10 year today at a yield of three point nine, three percent. So that was another major milestone reach this week, breaching that four percent level. But for the week, Jason, 30 basis point decline. I mean, over a quarter percent dropped in one week, in one week on the 10 year treasury. And, uh, you know, the, the, the real estate world, uh, whether you're a buyer or seller, uh, a professional in the industry, uh, they're all thrilled seeing this, you know, sub six, uh, sub seven percent, 30 your mortgage. I think last night we we're at 6.62 when Corey and I were going over it. So yeah, it's uh, it was very fascinating as far as the, the Fed reaction this week. All right. Speaking of this week, we got a lot of other data. What, what's this market going to worry about for the next two weeks as we wrap up the year? We'll cover that when we come back on the John Sanchez show. Let's turn it over to Greg Neff. He's got news, traffic and weather. Hey, Greg. Hey there, John. 39 degrees right now. We are looking at partly cloudy skies at Reno Tahoe International Airport. We'll get more weather in just moments. This news sponsored by Roy Foster's Automotive. It's our top local story. Just sitting at a traffic light when Reno police say they were pistol whipped, kidnapped, and carjacked. This happened off of Wedekind Road in Lund, Lund Lane Thursday morning. After the attack with the gun, the suspect ordered the victims to drive to another location, forcing them out of the car and driving off. Police found the car soon after. The suspect is still at large. It is our top national story. The Biden administration announcing its five-year offshore drilling plan. Your department says between 2024 and 2029, there will be three leases in the waters around the U.S. to allow for drilling. The American Petroleum Institute claimed the plan fails to meet the energy needs of the American people. Environmental groups also took issue with the plan, saying the dangerous cycle of drilling and spilling must end. I'm Brian Shook. And keep your dogs and cats away from your holiday buffet. Most of the foods served up at Christmas time are not recommended for pets because they contain lots of ingredients that your pets can't process. For example, the sugar substitute xylitol is highly toxic to pets and it can be found in lots of holiday snacks like baked goods and sugar-free candy. And avoid meat scraps and other foods with a high fat content and spices. All those fatty parts can cause what we call pancreatitis, which can become life-threatening. Some of our gravies are made with onion powder, which is a lot more concentrated than just plain onion, and they can have garlic powder and things in them as well. For both cats and dogs, that can also be an issue, causing a type of anemia that they can get. Other snacks to avoid feeding your pets include nuts, grapes, raisins, and avocados. Daniela Sanino, News Talk 780 KOH. 
Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH with Jason Conn of Sanchez Wealth Management. 57-point gain on the Dow, 52-point rise on the NASDAQ, and unchanged on the S&P. That is how we finish the year. We'll get back to kind of what the market is telling us at this point. But let me remind you, especially you contractors, listen closely. If your accountant's telling you you got to go spend some money before the end of the year for tax reasons, go visit our friends over at SNW Tractor. They're wheeling and dealing coming into these last few weeks of the year. A great selection of coyote tractors from small ones to big ones and everything in between and all of the implements that go along with it, along with 0% financing for 84 months on select models. Stop by and visit their great showroom at 4880 East Nye Lane in Carson City. Phone number is 882-1225. That's 882-1225. And you get much more information online at snwtractor.com. All right. Now, Jason, let's get back to, we talked about the Fed. But, you know, the last segment of the show, Jason and I always talk about what's on the calendar for next week. But I'm going to jump ahead on one very important report because we're talking about the Fed. And that is going to be on Friday, folks. We are going to get the PCE, the Personal Consumption Expenditure, i.e. the Fed's favorite measure of inflation. The expectation... Not much of anything. Matter of fact, zero, unchanged. They're expecting a little bit of an uptick in the uh, in the core where you strip out food and energy, Jason. But you know, I think that could be a big relief for this market if we uh, if that if that you know estimates uh, if those estimates are correct that the PCE you know is not budging too much. I think that's going to be a real important market moving event next week. Yeah, and I think we're finally at the spot where good news is good news and bad news is bad news, right? That's like, right. That's seeing right. a deceleration in the economy, seeing a deceleration in uh, uh, sort of overall payrolls or if jobless claims go a lot higher, you know, the market will start to perceive that as negative, right? And you, uh, we're all conspiracy theorists as investors, right? So now it's, well, why is the Fed lowering rates now? What mm-hmm. do they see that we don't see yet? That's the new market right. narrative. That's not what it was two months ago. It was higher for longer and so on and so forth. And now all of a sudden, in what was a shock, given markets don't normally move like this, factor moves don't normally have like this, because uh, remember, uh, uh, the market will always move in the direction that hurts the most people. That's what this last sort of, you know. Re- repeat uh, that one more time. Jo- repeat that one Repeat that one more time. The market, uh, uh, the market tends to move in the direction that hurts the most people, Amen. most number of investors, right? right? Where uh, uh, you're not paid to follow the masses, right? The masses don't tend to be right. Starting this year, uh, you could probably count on one hand how many people were like, "You got to be long the AI stocks," right? Uh, they were short all the big mega caps coming into this year because of interest rates, because Fed's going to raise rates, technology is going to be under pressure, be negative on that, be long defensive stocks, be long utilities and staples and consumers because we're going into a recession. Mm -hmm. Uh, That didn't work. You got twisted all apart both directions. Now it's a case of, okay, the market is asking, why is the Fed all of a sudden going from higher for longer, we're going to battle inflation, uh, we think the incremental moves are higher. Yes, we've seen inflation come in, but now they've pivoted to the dot plot says we're going to be cutting three to six times in 2024. What's changed, right? And that's the part that investors are going to continue to work on. And so you, listening to us, obviously doing our best to give you what we see, uh, need to understand that the mar- the Fed is forward looking, and they all they have is job owning, right? I mean, uh, we talked before. The Fed can't go full Volcker. 
The Fed can't raise interest rates to 10, 15, 20% to squash out inflation because of that little troubling thing of trillions of dollars of debt that the U.S. government has and needs to issue to finance the budget. Uh, and I'll leave the political lens off of it, but the bulk of the debt that we're issuing is to pay for entitlements. It's not for the fluff spending. It's for Social Security and Medicare and health care and uh, uh, defense spending, et cetera. Please give us a call. I'd be more than happy to walk you through it. We have a $1.7 trillion deficit annually because of a lot of those entitlements, and none of our politicians want to cut them. So uh, we're going to continue to have to issue debt. So these higher interest rates hurt the U.S. when we're doing so. It benefits all for rates to be lower, and since inflation's coming down, it's smart to start to lower the bow of that boat, and that's part of what the Fed is now saying. Uh, they've slowed inflation. We've seen great numbers. Again, as John mentioned, PCE hopefully is flat, and their job, by and large, could be done, and they're now starting to talk about next steps. But the market right now is questioning, how come you've pivoted? What do you see? Is commercial real estate going to crash, so on and so forth? Again, fear-mongering is a lot of it, but that's what the investors tend to do, the, trying to look through what someone's doing. It may be more obvious than you think. Come on, even, you know, if investors can, uh, going back to the Greenspan years, try to determine what the Fed chair at that point, yeah, Mr. Greenspan, was going to do by, by the way he carried his, yeah, his tie, or wore his tie and carried his uh, his uh, attache case. Yeah, the uh, market is a, is a fear monger. <laughs> we want to get that with Powell. We got to figure out some little quirk that Powell yeah. has. I don't know. He's too, he's too uh, right. perfect, you know. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's get into some reasons, uh, some things I should say. Let me rephrase that. Some things that that potentially could uh, cause some concern, some worries among investors, which, again, when investors get worried, what do they tend to do? They tend to sell. Uh, going forward, and again, we're just going to kind of look at the uh, at the next couple weeks because I woke up this morning, Jason, I went, oh, my God, Christmas is in only 10 days. You know, it's just I don't know where this month has gone. I don't know where this year has gone. Mm -hmm. But let's start off with, with my first point. Then we're going to go over to your list, and that is an overbought situation. Now, this isn't specifically tied, but I think it's a very important point. You and I had a long discussion this morning about 615 about the VIX, the volatility index, right? It, it Very, very low numbers showing that the market, in a in very basic sense, the market is not concerned of downturns in the market. The VIX, again, closed today at a level of 12.28, which is you know getting down towards the, the low end of the range from a historical basis. So the market's somewhat, um, let's just say, complacent at this point, which I'm sorry, I took one of your points. I just saw your list. Uh, uh, but but let's give a little education, and you're much better at it than I am when it comes to the VIX because it's pretty technical. But put it in layman's terms, you know, once again, is is the VIX and, and other indicators showing us in an overbought condition? Because things can get too expensive. We've had a hell of a November and a hell of a December. I, they, you know, there's no reason people would not be uh, not prone to taking some money off the table just to lock in the gains going into the, these final two weeks of the year. Yeah, I mean, we all know the best guy to ever wear that. 16 jersey is Joe Montana, uh, you know, my Niners sitting there, number one in the <laughs> NFC. Um, uh, remember, the math that we've talked about with the VIX, the VIX index, which is the volatility index, looking at 30-day implied volatility as to uh, how much market makers think a normal intraday move will be, implies at 12. Remember, we take 16, uh, which is Joe Montana, that so you take the VIX and divide it by 16. So what that's doing is saying that the market right now is implying for the next 30 days 
a one standard deviation move is uh, about three quarters of a percent uh, 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 in the S&P 500, right? So that is a much narrower range than what normally at 16 is the average or about a percent, right? So the market is implying, and again, what John and I were talking about at the wee hours of the morning, uh, were uh, we've got fewer days over the next 30 days, right? You've got Christmas, you've got New Year's. It's uh, not a lot of events once we get past PCE coming up Mm -hmm. that could shock things. We'll touch on some potential items, but overall the market's not expecting much to happen. Um, And so uh, that's part of that sort of complacency thing. But yeah, the VIX is just stating that the market's not expecting a whole lot of chop for the next 30 days like we talked about earlier, uh, you, you want to sort of bet to when the market's complacent and when it's really fearful is when you sort of pitch the other way and say, maybe the market's a little too scared. Now's the time to run towards the fire. But yeah, the market's not expecting a whole heck of a lot over the next 30 days. That's right. Exactly. So we can be in an overbought from a valuation standpoint, but again, watch the VIX and it's telling us we're not in an overbought. It's just, it's a Goldilocks type of scenario at this point. Market's not too high, market's not too low. And again, we had record closes, you know, we're at a 52 week high again on the, or excuse me, all time mm-hmm. high again on the Dow Jones industrial average. So yeah, good shape on that side of it. We'll talk about Israel and Gaza as a potential concern for these next few weeks, but let us wrap it up first with Mr. Jim Poston. He is in the right now traffic center with our final report of this fine Friday. Friday evening. How are we doing, Jim? Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH with Jason Gott. All right. Um, before we get back to, uh, again, some things uh, we're kind of looking at, and, you know, again, we always have a list of worries. Uh, before we get back to that, Jason, I want to mention real quickly uh, DocuSign. Um, yeah. Yeah. Big move about, oh, I don't know, 9, 10 o'clock this morning. Uh, it came out uh, some of the various presses, uh, the Wall Street Journal, I think, was the, the lead uh, story on it, that Hope the you know. uh, company. Yeah. What's that? LBL, sorry, which, leverage buyouts. Let's go. Leverage buyout. I'm happy yep, to see, exactly. Happy to see this happen again. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been. Uh, company exploring a sale. Uh, stock popped very nicely on the news. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that carries forward unless there's some news over the weekend. Uh, carry forward to next week. Uh, uh, 12.58% gain on the stock today, up $7.06 to 63.18. Again, DocuSign. Keep an eye on that one. All right, let's talk about, uh, you, off of your list, uh, the Israel-Gaza spillover. I was surprised because I was more worried about this one than you were when, when the whole war broke out in the beginning of October. I'm surprised to see it on your worry list. Yeah, no, I just bring it up now because uh, uh, you're starting to see now the U.S. narrative about, hey, uh, Israel, uh, they're pushing back on them a little bit about Mm -hmm. some of the continued bombing, et cetera. Again, I'm going to stay away from it like it's the third rail on an electric train. But uh, when we've shifted from uh, 100% behind you to now – uh, we're sort Quit of doing concerned what doing. about the path that they're taking. <laughs> yeah. um, that's when there's some positioning going on. Um, obviously, everything's political. It's an election year, but you know, that could change a little bit if something happened that obviously created some more geopolitical concerns. The U.S. is slowly starting to move away from this sort of mm-hmm. polarized view of one side to something that, albeit, feels more neutral, not fully neutral, but more neutral. And that's what, that's just, you know, again, if we're going to list out something that could be a 
unknown unknown or a known unknown, uh, I would say Israel-Gaza now is moving close to that, where if something occurred, it could create sort of a, you know, Iran gets involved, blah, 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 blah. Sure. But again, yeah. all, not all, a all high fear, but... Something to add to the list. This whole thing started. Yep, exactly. And it's not just the U.S. kind of backing out. It's a lot of countries, too, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, they're everyone's kind of taking a second look at that, unfortunately. Um, All right. Uh, My second point was the Fed comments. Uh, Again, uh, just indicative of what we saw happen today as we touched on at the beginning of the show. Uh, And I'll tie into that one. Uh, Bond yields begin to rise. That is something this market does not want to see and and probably will not tolerate. So that could give us uh, a little bit of a a pause there. Wrap us up with Europe and uh, being in a recession and China slowly uh, moving that direction also. Yeah, I mean, Europe, Europe's really, uh, you know, you saw Lagarde yesterday make comments, certainly that did not mimic yeah. what Powell had said, right? She's much sure. more sort of wait and see. Um, you know, Europe is firmly in a recession right now, and all the China data continues to decelerate. So now you've got China and Europe that are looking more at that potential R word, um, whether it's a capital R or a little r, the U.S., I think, is still far away from that, but uh, it's something else that can sort of continue to cause some uh, concern. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. Yeah, I wish you a great weekend, my friend. You too. Enjoy Thank it. You. Appreciate you know it. I mean? Indeed. Indeed. You do the same. God bless everybody. We'll see you on Monday on the John Sanchez Show. This program was sponsored by Sanchez Wealth Management. The material in this program was intended as general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information on this broadcast was intended to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Further information is available by contacting John at SanchezWealthManagement.com or 775-800-1801. John Sanchez offers securities and advisory services through Independent Financial Group, LLC, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Securities offered only in states John Sanchez is registered in. Sanchez Wealth Management, LLC, and Independent Financial Group, LLC are unaffiliated entities. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.